Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. During our Sundays of Lent here at our church, we are focusing each week on, on a topic, a theme um, of, of giving something up. And we're doing this, we're focusing on giving something up in order that we can practice giving up in order to give. Just as Jesus gave up everything, his life and, and everything, he gave up everything so that we could have everything, we are practicing giving up in order that we can receive God's gifts and then give to others as well. So as a congregation, uh, we have elected to, uh, to create for ourselves a little Lenten challenge, a little Lent challenge uh, to benefit a local nonprofit agency called 31 Backpacks. 31 Backpacks is a nonprofit agency that sends uh, food and hygiene items home with children for them and their families over the weekends, and they do this throughout the four-county area. There's about 190 kids being served uh, each week. So our director of community outreach, our, our volunteer, uh, Carrie, Carrie Mayra, um, is heading up this challenge, and each week the goal is uh, for us to outgive ourselves. All right, and so Carrie each week is putting together a little video of how we did, and so here's a little update from week two. Hey guys, it's Carrie again, Director of Community Outreach. We are in week two of the Lent Challenge. As you can see, we have quite a bit of stuff to count today, which is really exciting. Our goal today is to break 500 items, and so we're gonna get counting and see if we broke it. So stay tuned for the count. total is in and you guys did a great job. So last week we set the bar at 500 items. Um, so this week we have 140 hygiene items and 672 food products making for 812 total items. So you guys not only hit the mark, you exceeded it. Which means for the following week we have lots to do. So the goal for the next week is to get 850 items um, for the total hygiene and food. So good luck. I look forward to it. And thanks guys so much for your continued support. Awesome. 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 So each week uh, we're trying to outgive ourselves. So a couple more weeks left of this. Uh, so we're shooting for 850 total items for this next week. Carrie, thank you for uh, all your leadership in that. And thank you all for participating. Uh, I mentioned during the announcements, but I just want to thank again, Pastor Weber for uh, filling in for me Last Sunday, I called him on Friday. Um, I had been flat in bed since Tuesday with a, with a terrible case of the stomach flu, not just this last week, a week uh, prior. And so uh, thanks, Dave, for filling in for me again. Uh, that week, though, uh, it, was a, it was a rough week. Um, I hadn't been that sick in a long, long time. I was in a, I was in a constant fog. I, I literally couldn't get out of bed. I didn't eat for two and a half days. It was a rough week. Uh, and not just for me, probably even more so for my, for my wife, Abby, uh, who was day and night caring for the kids and, and me. And by the end, she was actually uh, begging that the stomach flu would actually strike her so she could spend four days uh, in bed as well. Uh, you know, I was, I was weak. I was needy. I was powerless. Powerless. Power. Power is the thing that we're going to be talking about today. 
these are the topics that we have covered and are covering uh, on, our, on our Sundays during Lent. So we've talked about giving up comfort, giving up pride, today giving up power, next week control, and finally giving up and giving up. And so that will be our final uh, week's sermon. And each of these things, if, if you focused on con- uh, keeping any one of these things, if you wanted to keep any one of these things, it would inhibit you from experiencing the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing is focusing on giving these up so we can receive from Jesus. So today we're talking about giving up power. Giving up power. I give up power. That doesn't sound like much fun, though, to be honest with you. People don't generally give up power voluntarily. How many of you guys with pickup trucks, when you picked out your truck, you know, you went and you said, yes, I would like to opt for the truck with less power. You know, I want the really big truck, but just tone it down on the power a little bit, right? Nobody does that. Even I, even I opted for the most powerful Toyota Corolla that one can find. And, and believe it or not, I got pretty much a, a toy compared to some of you guys. I'm not, I mean, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. I love my little car. I just wish sometimes it had more power, right? I mean, let's be honest. Power, right? No one wants less power. Power's good. Power keeps things running. Keeps all your electronic devices going. When possessed by people, power can be a status symbol for good or for evil. And frankly, it's kind of fun to have power because then you feel powerful. There are a lot of very powerful people in this world, right? A lot of powerful people in this world, leaders of governments and and countries. A lot of power is contained in the hands of a few, but can you imagine if we got together uh, a number of world leaders, sat them down around a table for a, a cup of coffee or something? Imagine if you got President Trump and Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un to sit around a table and they all collectively said, you know what would be good for the world if we just gave up power? Can you imagine it? (laughs) Can you imagine it? Power is a thing that's just like a vacuum, though I'm sure somebody else would just come in and fill the void. But can you imagine if people like that just said, you know what, it would be better if I gave up power? It's hard to imagine because it is difficult for powerful people to voluntarily give up their power. In 2 Corinthians today, the Apostle Paul said these words, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The the treasure is in jars of clay. What treasure is Paul talking about here? If you read the verses prior, Paul is talking about the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the the very Son of God who was born into this world to save all people from their sins. Paul is saying this is the great treasure. For Paul, it was the greatest treasure. And Paul says God stores this great treasure where? In jars of clay. Jars of clay, fragile, breakable things. Is that where you store your most precious possessions? You, 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 those of you raising kids at home, do you, do you take your most prized possessions and store it in like a, I don't know, a wine glass and set it on the living room floor right there in the middle? 
No, you don't put your prized possessions in breakable things. You take your prized possessions and store them in the safety deposit box in the bank, right? We don't store our treasures in breakable things, yet Paul says this is what God does. What are the jars of clay Paul is talking about? He's talking about our bodies. Our bodies. God Almighty sends this good news of Jesus Christ into this world, and where is it stored in this world? In you and in me. In fragile, breakable, mortal jars of clay like you and me. And why does God do this? Why does God come into our lives and store up the good news of Jesus Christ among us? Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to who? Not to us. But who does it belong to? It belongs to God and not to us. Surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In the Greek language uh, in which the New Testament is written, the word for power in Greek is this word. It's the word dynamis. Dynamis. What, what English word looks like it might come from this word? There's a, there's a couple of them, but my favorite is the word Dynamite dynamite boom right the surpassing power the explosive dynamite power belongs to who to god god has surpassing dynamis me i'm a surpassing dud (laughs) god is surpassing dynamis i am a surpassing dud No one really likes to intentionally or voluntarily give up power. But often in life, through the school of experience, we quickly learn the lesson that we really are ultimately powerless when this world strips power away from us. In my family, most of you know Uh, maybe you don't if you haven't been with us if this is your first time here Uh, but but my wife and I have three kids and our youngest daughter Phoebe who's eight months old we've just been having a really tough time uh, with her health skin issues in particular Uh, we're we're waiting on some test results that we hope will come in in the next week couple of weeks but uh, she's been on the prayer list here and and please keep praying Uh, but it's tiring it's tiring it's it's uh, it's a powerless feeling you know, she doesn't sleep well, we don't sleep well, she's uncomfortable most of the time. One of us needs to stay by her side almost constantly to stop her from scratching. It's really a helpless feeling, and it's a, it's a powerless feeling. Now, there's not even that much we can do right now until we get test results from doctors, but even then, even then, I, I don't know what will come. And, and as a man, I have to be honest with you, I feel very powerless at this point. And honestly, I really don't like that feeling. I know there are many of you who have been through similar situations, some even harder and, and worse than we're going through. Many of you are going through similar stuff right now where you're, where you're waiting for diagnoses, you're waiting for treatments to take, uh, you're waiting for healing of your bodies. Some of you are, are just waiting for answers and there's uncertainty. It's a powerless feeling, isn't it? It's a powerless feeling. Yet, what else does Paul say in this passage? I I read verse 7, but verse 8 is a very encouraging passage, at least to me. This is what Paul says. 
says this, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul says we are afflicted in every single kind of way imaginable, but not totally crushed. <laughs> okay, okay, Paul, I get it. You know. We're perplexed, we're confused by all the pain and suffering and warfare, but we're not completely driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not ever abandoned by God. And finally, we are struck down. We are beaten and we are broken, but never ever completely destroyed. It may seem in this life that we are constantly on the verge of destruction, like, like we're on the edge of potentially being abandoned by God. It may seem as though it might just all be taken away at any point. But Paul says, God says today, it is not. It is not. It will not. In the grand scheme of all things, if you consider all of eternity, you will never be completely destroyed, forsaken, or abandoned. Because the surpassing power in this world, even beyond that, the surpassing power above this world, the surpassing power which created all and governs all of everything. Who does the surpassing power belong to? To God and not to us. And how does God distribute his power? He uses every ounce of his power to love and save you and me, fragile, breakable jars of clay. In the gospel lesson today, in the gospel lesson, in, in the book of Luke, um, at this stage, Jesus has fixed his eyes on going to Jerusalem. And this is, the, this is our the kind of uh, the Lenten stage of Jesus' life, as he's fixed his eyes to go to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Jesus sends 72 of his disciples to go ahead of him into some towns to tell them, hey, we've got a big crowd coming uh, we're going to be coming through your towns. Just be ready for us. And so Jesus sends his disciples ahead of him, uh, and he tells them to go with not much power. I don't know if you picked up on it. He said, I want you to go, but don't take any extra money with you. Don't take any extra sandals, no extra food. I want you to go and trust that I'm going to provide for you. They have to trust in the power of God, not their own power. But Jesus sends them with an immense amount of authority and power over Satan and his evil foes. Jesus gives them the authority to cast out demons and to heal people. He gives that, that authority to his disciples. So the disciples go ahead of him, and then they quickly come back to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, you should have seen what happened. You should have seen the kind of power that we have. Even the demons have trembled and run away at your name. But what does Jesus tell them? Jesus responds with these words. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice in what? That your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice that you have power. I am the one that gave it to you. Don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. My dear friends in Christ, the same is true in your lives. 
you have an immense power in this, in this world over, over Satan. Satan, the one who wants you to get lost and confused and beaten and, and struck down and destroyed. You have an immense power over Satan. At, at the name of Jesus Christ, Satan has to bow and run and cower in fear. You have an immense power over Satan because of Jesus. You have an immense power over the demons in this world that try to get you to fear and cower in worry. You have an immense power over them because of the name of Jesus. And death, ha, death. You have power over death because of the surpassing power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have an immense power in this life, my friends, because of Jesus because of Jesus, but dear friends in Christ, take heed to the words of Jesus, not to rejoice in this power he's given to you, but to instead do what? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And that they are, because Jesus has rescued and redeemed you. He bought you with a price. He laid down his life and picked it up in order that you can have life and have it for all of eternity. Jesus who has authority over heaven and over earth and everything under the earth. Jesus uses his power for you. Jesus uses his power to love you. My friends, do you recognize this? The power of the Almighty God is at work intimately in your life, even in the midst of the affliction. When we claim our own power, as sufficient, or we put our own hope in our own achieved power, it will affect us from experiencing the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. The truth is this, though, the surpassing power in all of these things, the surpassing dynamis belongs to God and not to us. There will be trials, there will be afflictions, not because God wants us to experience these things, but so that through them, the surpassing power of God can remain with God and not with us. And then, and then in our lives and in this world, we can echo the words of the Apostle Paul says later in this letter, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I give up power. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.